If you were to walk the countryside of Andover, Massachusetts, in the afternoon of September 28, 1808, you would probably hear the chapel bell ringing long before you crested the hill and stumbled across a group of people who had assembled that day. As the cool fall breeze fluttered in the tall oaks of the Massachusetts countryside, an astute-looking man, with a receding hairline and premature gray hair, is atop a wooden platform addressing the crowd that had gathered. This was not a church meeting. In fact, the man that was speaking was not even a pastor. The man speaking is Timothy Dwight, and he's there to preach the opening message for the first academic institution of its kind in the New World. Welcome to the Seminary Support Podcast, where you will find help to start, finish, and get the most out of your seminary experience. I'm your host, Mark McElreath. Timothy Dwight's father, Timothy Dwight III, served as a major in the Revolutionary War, and his mother, Mary Edwards, was the third daughter of theologian Jonathan Edwards. So why was Timothy Dwight addressing this crowd, and why have they gathered? Those gathered had assembled to witness the dawning of an age. Timothy Dwight is the president of Yale University. And on this windy day, he preaches a sermon that will ordain the Andover Theological Seminary. This was the first seminary opened in America, and Dr. Dwight was there to see it off. History would show that this would not just be any seminary. In the class of 1810, Adoniram Judson would graduate He would later become a Baptist missionary to Myanmar, then known as Burma. And class of 1834 graduate Samuel Francis Smith, a Baptist minister, would write the words to My Country Tis of Thee while a seminary student there at Andover. So as Dr. Dwight grips his handwritten notes, he expounds five clear reasons for a seminary to exist. First of all, This is his wording. He says, It is the design of this institution to furnish students with a sufficient opportunity to prepare themselves for the ministry of the gospel. The point he was making was that this was a special and specific time for a man of God to prepare. They were setting this time aside to make a definitive effort at their training. In fact, he actually makes the statement that room and board was covered for them because in the past, one disadvantage of ministers was that due to their as he put it, pecuniary circumstances, they were not allowed enough time to study. Pecuniary means relating to money. So, I know you're paying good money for your education today, and your room and board may not be covered, but he wanted them to have the appropriate time that they needed to prepare. Secondly, he says, A library shall be furnished sufficiently various and extensive for the purposes intended. The great thing about a library is that it should hold more resources than any one person could have on their own. It opens up a world of possibilities because it is, as Dwight puts it, various as covering many different fields and disciplines and extensive as going deep into the subject matter. Even more today with the advent of the Internet and e-resources, we have an even greater tool in library resources. Thirdly, Dr. Dwight says this, He says, professors will be established in the five great divisions of theological education. Now, I want to read here the five divisions that Dwight gives. 
and it very closely resembles our divisions today. He says natural theology, Christian theology, sacred literature, ecclesiastical history, and then eloquence of the desk. Dwight then makes the point that men previously had earned a college degree and then were sent into an area to pastor people, preach multiple times a week, and care for them. He says that they were not afforded much time for dedicated study in theological education. An interesting point he makes that stood out to me is, he says, the true reason why so many able and excellent divines have existed in this country does not lie in their preparatory advantages, but in their talents, their fidelity, and their subsequent vigorous application to study. He makes the point that we've had such great men of God in the United States up to that point, even without seminary training, as would be dawned now. But we had such great divines because they were blessed with a gifted mind, and they were faithful to their calling, and they studied hard. We could all learn from that. He also gives a fourth thing. He says, students may have here, I'm sorry, students may here derive peculiar advantages from each other. Now, this is a 19th century way of saying you're going to make great friends at seminary. Uh, Many a late night I've spent discussing a viewpoint around a kitchen table in the house that me and my three roommates rented while we were in seminary, and we built wonderful relationships. Dwight says, all ministers ought to be friends. He continues with this. He says, The friendships formed here will, it is believed, spring from the best of all sources, evangelical virtue. You know, I believe Dr. Dwight is on to something here. He believes that every minister, if he is truly seeking the Lord, and he is dwelling in his word, will bear witness with every other minister who is truly seeking the Lord and dwelling in his word. And the spirit within them bears witness with one another. He then gives a fifth thing. He says that doctrine will be taught there. He says, These are the doctrines conveyed down to us from the earliest periods of the church. They are the doctrines brought with them by those eminently good men who converted New England from a desert into a garden, an institution which provides extensive and permanent instruction in religious knowledge of such a nature, sets up in this manner the best human barrier against error, and furnishes the best means within the reach of man for the general diffusion and perpetuation of the truth, influence, and blessings of the gospel. Now, what lofty aspirations for a seminary. I read you these excerpts from this sermon that day to show you that we have a great heritage in our seminary education. And every time you and I engage in this education, the joys and the labor of our seminary grandfathers and great-grandfathers ring out just as the chapel bell did that day at Andover. We have a glorious heritage. Let us not forget it, and let us not take it for granted. As we follow in this sacred honor, let us remember those who have gone before and the sacrifices made for us. Thank you for joining me today. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you can get notified every time a new episode is launched. And if you would, please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share today's episode with someone who would find it helpful. You can find me on Twitter at Mark McElreath Jr. And send me your episode ideas or feedback to theseminarypodcast at gmail.com. 
I'm your host, Mark McElreath. And remember, nothing will ever take the place of learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls out, learn of me. And there is an open invitation to that classroom for all of us.